I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, guys. DGS 405. Happy Thursday to you. So, um... We've been having Avi Loeb on the show now for years and years and years when he was just a simple uh, astronomer at Harvard. And now the guy's just blown up in Netflix specials and off-Broadway shows. And he deserves everything that he gets. He joins us now. Avi, my friend, great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So on my Drudge Report, it says, uh, has Avi Loeb discovered aliens? So has he? (laughs) Well, uh, it depends what you mean by aliens. Uh, obviously, <laughs> there are aliens in our country. Uh, they are mostly legal, but um, what we are referring to are uh, uh, signals or, or objects that came from outside the solar system that represent another civilization. And uh, it's work in progress. Um, I mean, it's possible the government has already some materials and information, but right now, actually, in Washington, D.C., the, there is... Uh, extensive discussion about uh, an amendment to the defense bill um, uh, originally proposed by uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer and uh, with support uh, from both parties. Uh, But uh, there seemed to be some resistance to it, and we shall see what happens in the coming days. So, uh, Avi, last time we talked to you, you had been to Papua New Guinea, you had dragged the ocean, you'd found these sphericals, you were taking them back to the lab, see what more you could learn about them. It's probably been three months. So bring us up to date. What have you learned and what else is new on your radar? Yeah, so a couple of months ago, we released some preliminary analysis, and it it, it involved about 10% of the spherules. We have uh, about 750 of them. Um, and looking at uh, just 10% of them, we identified a new type of spheroid never seen before um, from rocks in the solar system. And it has a very unusual uh, abundance, uh, a composition of um, uh, elements, 60 elements from the periodic table. Uh, and it just couldn't have originated from rocks on Earth, Mars, the Moon, uh, or um, asteroids. So we thought it that's quite uh, interesting and put it in that early report. But now we are going through the rest of the sample. Um, and uh, in the coming weeks, um, we will have more uh, results. And uh, altogether, you know, near the meteor path, there were these very special type of molten droplets uh, that have a composition never seen before. And we gave it the name Belau uh, because it, it's enhanced in beryllium, lanthanum, and uranium. And some people claimed recently, as of a week ago, well, maybe it's coal ash. 
we actually looked at coal ash, very different composition, cannot be coal ash. Uh, there are still people, um, you know, with uh, uh, the idea that, you know, we, we found things from Earth, but uh, it doesn't look like that. Um, and we are very confident it's not coal ash. And we are now uh, finishing the analysis. We are also uh, taking images of um, these uh, spherules, these molten droplets. Um, and all of that will um, uh, come out in a paper that we will be uh, updating in the coming weeks. And Avi, um, in layman's terms, what is the process? Let's say that you establish that this is absolutely 100 uh, percent from outside of our solar system and not a single academic disagrees with you. How do you make the leap to it is uh, it's not natural? It was made by some sort of intelligence. Yeah, that's a great question, because uh, just the composition of elements uh, does not tell you that. I mean, you can think of for example, melting uh, computer screens or semiconductors. Uh, obviously, the droplets that you get out of that by putting them in the oven or, you know, in the fireplace, uh, those droplets will just tell you that there is a much higher uh, abundance of uh, rare elements that you don't find in rocks. But it will not necessarily say that it came from a technological object. And to find uh, this out, you need to uh, to recover some big pieces of the original object so that you can see the structure of it. Uh, and then it's easy to tell if it's a rock or, or a technological gadget. So we are currently starting to plan the next expedition uh, that, so that we can recover bigger pieces, not just these tiny droplets, uh, roughly the size of a grain of sand that we have already. Uh, we know where to look for it. Uh, and the machinery, uh, the tools that we will use will be more expensive and um, uh, because uh, it will require bigger magnets, it will require uh, some video uh, links so that we can see what we are picking up, uh, and maybe even um, a vehicle that would survey the, the floor, the ocean floor. So we're starting to plan that. And um, then, of course, there will be the challenge of getting it funded. Um, and then uh, hopefully as soon as we know that we have the funding, um, we will start uh, the planning uh, in terms of renting the ship that we want to use and building up the tools that we will use. And uh, so then the next step, uh, in short, is uh, searching for bigger pieces. And if we find the pieces of a gadget and it has uh, the, the, these pieces have buttons on them, the question is whether we should press a button. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good yeah, question. Yeah, really good question. Um, so, Avi, a more general uh, astronomy, astrophysics question, as you may or may not remember, it's, it's sort of a hobby of mine. And it seems that in the past few years, it's picking up steam, especially since the Webb telescope. We are learning so many more things. We're changing some of the things that we thought we knew that we had wrong. And some of the oldest uh, galaxies, and uh, they look different than we thought that they that they would. I just read an article recently about there could could have been a second big bang about a month after the first that created dark matter. Is this just the way academics go that, uh, yeah, we're always learning new things? Or has there been an increased push for some reason in the last decade or so? Yeah, well, the, uh, the news from the Webb telescope are, are interesting, but they're not that revolutionary because um, what uh, is so far known is that there are more bright galaxies early on in the universe than we anticipated. But that, can, that may have to do with the way that stars form and uh, 
uh, light up. Uh, maybe the process is more efficient than we thought. It's not as if you really need uh, a second Big Bang. That these are really speculations that do not uh, are not really required by by the data. And some people uh, examine them, but but they, are, they do not reflect. I mean, there is no. Uh, evidence to support them and no reason to to in, embrace them and um, of course the, we the, it's work in progress and the web telescope will continue to look at the first stars um, so at the, at the moment it's just the tweaks that need to be made in terms of how quickly stars form in those early galaxies perhaps we are seeing also the earliest black holes as they form in the centers of those galaxies and that adds to the amount of light that uh, they um, provide. And, uh, so this is the normal uh, way that science is done, where there is, uh, I mean, when I wrote a textbook about the first stars and galaxies, this is a subject that I pioneered and uh, worked on for two decades and long before other people were interested in it. Uh, and so um, my hope was that when I wrote these textbooks, that we will see something different than we expected because then we learn something new. And indeed, the Webb Telescope delivered on that. Uh, uh, we see more bright galaxies early on, but so far nothing that shakes uh, uh, the standard you know, model we have for the universe. It's just stars form more uh, efficiently early on, and, uh, and we see brighter galaxies than we expected. Avi, you talk a bit about that process of learning new things. I know you have told us here on this show and in other interviews, I've heard you say the same thing, that you get pushback from certain groups of people in the academic world. And it feels like uh, just knowing what I know about scientific history, there's always that push and pull. So how necessary is it for, quote, an establishment to push back against new ideas to force the new ideas to be made clearer, to be studied in more detail. Is that just part of the process? Yeah, it's part of the process as long as it's a fair game, uh, in the sense that those that uh, criticize are also doing some work. It's not just that they sit on their uh, chair and uh, uh, raise dust and claim they don't see anything. And unfortunately, that happens in the context of the search for uh, extraterrestrial civilizations. There are um, uh, some people, a few of them, that are very aggressive and vocal and try to ridicule the study. And, uh, for example, in the context of these ferals that we recovered, most recently they argue that they are coal ash. And uh, before that, they argue that they don't believe the uh, U.S. government data, the U.S. Space Command. They uh, wrote a paper saying that it must be wrong because it doesn't fit their model for stones. Uh, 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 and so I say, well, maybe you should update your model. You know, that's the way we <laughs> learn new things. And uh, unfortunately, you know, that's just like if you play sports, you know, you play tennis, and then the other side is crossing the net and behaving in an unfair way, not professional. There is this phenomenon. There is also uh, there are also some bloggers and uh, non-practicing scientists who call themselves scientists, but they are not really practicing science. And they try to protect science. And to me, it sounds like commentators looking at a soccer match and telling the players how to pass the ball. That makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, I would say, uh, forget about these bloggers. They are not really practicing science. Therefore, they should not make any comments about uh, what they think uh, uh, the way science should be done. Because uh, for, I am a practicing scientist, you know, I'm collecting the data, it's a lot of work, um, collecting the materials of this meteor, for example, analyzing it, it's, 
it was work that took play, uh, you know, took over a year for us to to accomplish. And uh, you can't just uh, express your opinions based on no work whatsoever. So as long as the back and forth is done by people who are real scientists practicing and actually doing some work, that's uh, completely healthy. But if it's people that are jealous of the attention the public gives to this subject, which is really uh, my feeling with respect to those critics about coal ash and so forth, they are really jealous that they are not part of the discovery process, and therefore they want to basically step on any flower that rises above the grass level. And to those I say, you know, uh, we, we are not, uh, the, the practicing scientists should not be terrorized by such people. We will do the work of science the way it should be done, uh, by uh, collecting the evidence. If you're just joining us, we're talking to our friend Avi Loeb, who's the head of astronomy at Harvard. Uh, Avi, you have a lot of uh, interesting projects coming up. Tell us about what's going on with Netflix. Oh, okay. Well, there is a documentary that is uh, uh, being prepared about my work. Uh, They came with me uh, to the expedition uh, to the Pacific Ocean. They just came with me to a a visit that I had a few days ago at uh, giving a public lecture at CERN. So they've been following me for more than a year, and hopefully uh, in 2025 there will be a nice uh, documentary that will summarize everything that is happening. Um, there are also uh, there is also my book that uh, came out um, a couple of months ago, a new book called The Interstellar, where I talk about the implications to uh, humanity if we do find evidence for um, uh, probes from an extraterrestrial civilization. Uh, near Earth, and um, so, um, and, and in addition to that, there was a play that was written by a playwright in Los Angeles, uh, Josh Ravetch, about my work. There is a, a, a sculpture uh, being prepared uh, in celebration of the work that I'm doing, uh, and um, there was also a song written <laughs> inspired by my work. So a lot of artists are uh, interested in what I'm doing, and the public in general, and, but most importantly, uh, you know, within uh, the Galileo project that I'm leading, we have now uh, a working observatory at Harvard University where we monitor the sky 24-7 uh, and um, analyze the data with machine learning software. Uh, and we are basically trying to help government figure out the nature of objects that they claim are unidentified. Uh, and as you know, government right now is discussing mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps establishing a new committee uh, that will advise the U.S. president uh, with nine members um, about uh, which information or materials that the government has uh, should be released to the public. This is being debated right now, uh, and uh, hopefully it will pass and signed into law because uh, uh, as a scientist, you know, I'm very eager to help government and uh, they haven't released classified information as of yet. Uh, Avi, last question. I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but if you had to bet your own $10, would you bet that the United States government knows much more about this topic than they let on? Or do you think that they're probably as in the dark as most scientists? I think they have things they don't understand. Um, And uh, they will not release it because of two reasons. One, it would imply that the intelligence agencies are not doing their job. If it's human-made, you know, if uh, uh, the Chinese or the Russians are uh, uh, producing technologies that we don't know about, uh, you know, it will show a weakness 
uh, on be, uh, behalf of those intelligence agencies. So that's one possibility, which is quite frightening uh, if there are things in the sky that were manufactured by adversarial countries. Um, but the second option, if that's not the case, then maybe uh, they came from outside the solar system. That's even more tantalizing. And that's the, the option that I'm particularly curious about. So the government is most likely to be the first one to notice such things because they monitor the sky for national security purposes. Astronomers look at a small portion of the sky far away, like the Webb telescope, uh, and they don't care, astronomers, they just ignore anything passing overhead. Hmm. So uh, I, w- I would say it's, uh, there is a fair chance that if something is near Earth uh, that is extraterrestrial, the government saw it. And that's why, you know, I would be happy to help them figure it out. I'm glad I asked the question. Avi, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Glad I asked that question. That's a great question. That was yeah. a great answer, too. It certainly was. I really, my eyeballs went, yeah. when he when he said they probably have, to, he goes, they, he didn't say probably, he said they have things they don't understand. understand. Yeah. Which is kind of what you said the other day. Yeah. That they may have stuff, but they're afraid to say anything because they don't want to look dumb. Yeah. Or because they're trying to do things with it and they don't want anybody to know that or who yeah. knows. Yeah. Have you guys seen the uh, McCarthy stuff? The oh, uh, yeah. the Trump conversation thing or no? Yeah. It's it's like a sketch from I think you should leave. So you tell what you think you know and I'll fill it in with what I think I know. <laughs> well, maybe we're talking about the same thing, but the whole thing where Liz Cheney wrote in her book, is that what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, it I, have was, a, I have a reading of that if you want to. Would, do you want to read it yourself, or do you want to hear? I don't uh, have it pulled up. I was just going to say it from memory. So oh, okay, sorry. No, it's okay. It, it just she confronted Kevin McCarthy, like, "Why are you going down to see Trump?" And he said, "Well, he's not eating, and his staff wants me to come see him." <laughs> so, like it's a pet bulldog or something. <laughs> <laughs> he won't eat, so I'll go down there. I guess it's like, no, you're worried that you're not going to be able to fundraise. I w- I hope that's true. How humiliating is that? Donald's not even, first of all, and I'm sorry, I'm not fat shaming, but Donald, he can, he's okay if he doesn't yeah, eat for a while. He's, he's like me. He's I mean, if it was okay. a couple of weeks, he's still going to be all right. And then uh, evidently when he was ousted, he had a conversation with the president and the president lambasted him uh, for not being more supportive, for not uh, officially endorsing him. And according to uh, McCarthy in that interview, he said, F you to the president he now wow. denies it, but uh, the, the person who interviewed him uh, claims to have it on tape that McCarthy said, yeah, I told Trump, F you. Back to my, my beginning of the show that we have the worst leaders in the history of our country, just across the board. Yep, the one time you show a spy and you're like, but I really didn't. <laughs> I don't care if you eat it all. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you starve to death. I'm leaving. So they, F you. So they had this conversation when McCarthy was ousted yes. from his position? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And Trump was like, well, it's because you didn't support me enough. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 439 DGS on KMOX. I turned 73 during this show. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's been a long one. Phoebe got married. I have grandkids. Oh, nice. Ah, thanks. I don't like them. When much. do they start college? Um, <laughs> stairway? Sure. Let's do a little stairway. Let's do um, a couple different things that I wanted to hit, but I got this one I think is pretty easy and it's not a super uh, long conversation. Did you see the comments that Bob Iger made about Disney movies and I projects? Did. I'm curious what the group thinks because what, what Bob Iger said was they need to stop worrying about, quote, sending positive messages and just make entertainment. How does that hit you guys? Hmm. A couple of ways. First of all, they've killed every parent that's ever been in any show. So it's not like they're full of <laughs> uh, lightness. You're right. It's always a dead mom or dad. Yeah. Yeah, But I think they pretend to, to bring a positive message. But even if it's all pretend, you're still changing the very basic nature of Disney. Um, it may be a smart business decision, but... And I don't know how many people, how many Disneyoids out there would hear that and go, "Well, I'm never going to Disney again." They're they're probably you probably got them already. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're locked. Um, it's like me with baseball. I'm in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I'm talking myself into is I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you guys I, think? I don't think they've been Disney for a while now. So what do they mean by positive messages? Like the 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 imp- my interpretation of what he said was. They, they need to be less about basically making social statements. Okay. And, you know, wh- whatever that happens to be. You know, a lot of people have been talking about inclusivity and that idea. And I'm sure that he's not saying we should never do that. But it sounds like he wants people to, to focus more on entertaining than messaging. Which I think, would you regardless of your ideology, isn't that what a lot of people would want? I would think that I most think people, so. when they're sitting down to watch an animated film, are just wanting to be entertained rather than yeah. lectured but, but to. But remember now, the, the animated films are a small part of Disney now. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't. And true. I don't think he just means that because he was talking about just let's be entertainment. The, yeah. the park, the movies, all of it. It's just interesting because wasn't it like one year ago that they said, uh, no, it's we're actually all going to be all about this kind of positive messaging and right. everything has to have... You know, a certain, uh, I mean, I hate to use the word quota, but that's kind of how Disney put it. Like, we're going to be making sure that people are included in specific ways on each project. It's just interesting to see how quickly they backtracked from that plan. It's probably bad for business. It was my read on it. Because what's he trying to do? What uh, All of the stories when they brought Bob Iger back were, yeah. Disney needs help. Disney's in trouble. Or they're not what they should be or whatever. 
that might be a business plan, and I get that. And I also understand that you can do better than what was done in past generations, right? Because we could agree that a lot of that stuff was pretty stupid and terrible, like the old school stuff. What was the one, the real racist one, uh, uh, the old Disney movie that was super like, Song oh my of the God. South. Song of the South. Like, okay, we we can do that, but we don't have to be the polar opposite of that. We can just be, let's tell good stories. Because you know what? Good stories should include everyone in some way, shape, or form at some point anyway, right? Eh. I don't mean every story in and of itself. I mean, if you're just telling think, a lot of good stories. I think stories should be appropriate in that uh, appropriate to the time. And so whether it's all white people or all black people or all gay people or all straight people, I think that it should not be taken out of context unless you're just going to do a treatment of something where you say, yeah. hey, we're this is no holds barred. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I think people get twisted up though when it's like this is the story of George Washington and he's Hispanic and right. you know it's like if you can do that you can do that take that would be interesting Nick went to see a play about Jurassic Park but from the standpoint of the dinosaurs and it was gay so it's like <laughs> okay fun let's have some fun with it um, yeah so that'd be my that's that's the way I look at it do you guys differentiate at all between programming because as you mentioned disney is not just kids movies but it's what you think of you think of mickey mouse you think of the princesses and all that stuff do you think there should be a, a strategy that is separate for how you're entertaining children as opposed to the rest of us who can really discern what we do and don't care about whereas a kid you're just a sponge and maybe that should be more hey less less about parents dying and all that kind of stuff and less about social issues the kids are not even aware of or should it be that and we we've been missing the boat all those times that we were ignoring that i i don't know i think ultimately teaching your children about that sort of thing is up to the parent yes um i i mean i don't think it's wrong to learn from films and stuff but to think that it's a movie studio's obligation to teach that sort of thing is off base, in yeah. my opinion. I'm with you. The same way that we all have uh, a pretty finely tuned BS meter, uh, and most of us consider ourselves pretty good judges of character when we meet people, I think we all can tell the difference when we are enjoying something that is uh, inclusive and diverse or when we're being preached to. Yep. At the, at the expense of the entertainment. Right. Which is probably what Iger's, I guess, in the, I think that's the best iteration of what Iger's trying to say. Well, I think that's the reputation they've had the last couple of years. Whether yeah. or not that's actually true, that's the corner they kind of back themselves into. Yeah. And it seems like he's saying, uh, we don't want that reputation anymore. Yeah. They really, boy, they really crapped the bed with Marvels, didn't they? The Marvels? The Marvels. Boy, I, it's it's supposed to be bad. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure I'll see it. Um but it, put it this way, it, it's to, it was bad to the point where they're talking about redoing the whole Marvel Universe moving forward and just like, we got to scrap this. Like, they already have the problem with, with Jonathan Majors, who's supposed to be the big bad in the next mm. set of Marvel movies. They already have that problem, and they want to move on from him as Kang the Conqueror, the guy yeah. that's going to be the new Thanos kind of character. And this movie, they said, I, I was just reading about this last week, they said that this didn't help. Like, the direction right now is a bad thing, and they think they might need to just start over. 
All right, in this final segment, we're going to talk about uh, Subway sandwiches and the Golden Bachelor. Watch me do it. Uh, so Subway is adding foot-long cookies to their menu. Ooh. Was that? I saw that story earlier. Is did that, you think you just dreamt it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I was, he, he thought of it in a brainstorming session. Because <laughs> I saw the pictures, and yeah, I mean, they're... They they look like a cookie if you stretched it out for a foot. He's at a loss for words. Are you okay? <laughs> all right, all right. I really all right. thought I really thought this was fake, and I was like, that's why I, I didn't put it on the sheet myself because I'm like, I can't tell anyone about this. <laughs> I can't tell anyone I saw this. I'm losing my mind. They're going to think there's something wrong with me if I say there's foot long cookies. Uh, select locations around the country will give them out for free next Monday, which is National Cookie Day. Oh, cool. It's a National Cookie Day. <laughs> You guys are freaking me out. <laughs> it's National DGS Day, Wheels. I didn't know that. Yeah, yes, what day is. is it? Same as Cookie Day. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> we, Let's celebrate we, with cookies. 10 we, inch, 10 inch. <laughs> Specifically um, okay. wanted yeah. it like that. Yeah. Golden I Bachelor. I told you yesterday that uh, all that uh, glistens is not gold, mm-hmm. and it's getting worse for him. Uh-oh. That not only was he not a successful restaurateur who never dated again after his beloved wife died, uh, he dated a lot, and he lived with one lady who he said, uh, let me get this right, a relationship that started about a month after his wife died. Uh, they broke up a in 2019 month. because he told her that she was too fat <gasps> to take to his high school reunion. She says <laughs> that she had gained 10 pounds. They were living together at the time, and he told her to get out while she was packing. She fell down the stairs and ended up needing foot surgery. Even then, he wouldn't let her stay any longer and made her go to a hotel. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> hey, I... let's give him a reality show. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get. he's got to get that show with Santos. Is that not the <laughs> ultimate, like, this is what reality TV is. They pretend it's reality. It's all bull crap. Ooh, I almost swear. Yeah, said it. <laughs> I know. If you really did. You, you might as well have. Everyone out there we in the audience felt it. felt it. We need to go home. I've never felt the S word more. <laughs> yeah, no one said the crap so, like, defeated. I was like, going to say poo, but okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it is, right? Like, it's all that. It's all, all, everything we think is, like, quote, reality is scripted and rehearsed and redone and polished over. What do you think they knew? Do you think they knew he was lying about everything? Oh, uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, this is, like, people coming out now and saying, like, oh, well, I dated him, and he said I was too fat to take to a dance. I guess I'm... (laughs) I'm sorry. I gasped when he said that. The look on Rachel's face, she was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Too I fat. thought this was a good guy, and now I'm here, and he's fat. He's, yeah, for sure, like, yeah. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Dance. The old guy's going to find love again. Right. We got to tell Dave Murray this, because he and Janice watch The Golden Bachelor. They Don't love ruin The Golden it for ba- him. Turns, turns out, he's not such a why nice were they guy. Going, oh, to a dance. Yeah, I was like, why were they going to a dance? I forgot it was actually the high school reunion. reunion. Uh, it really <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Hallmark movie. Adults don't go to dances. Uh, kind of... Who says that to another person? Insane. What a psychopath. And then he thought he could just go on TV and pretend none hey, of it he ever broke happened. my stairs and it fell down. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, look at me. I'm handsome. Nobody One will ever month? notice. You go to a hotel for fat girls. <laughs> One month after his wife passed away. One month is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty quick. 
Well, I think the final the finale's coming up soon. It's so. tonight, right? <laughs> is it really? <laughs> All right, I'm not watching the debate. I'm watching the Golden Bachelor. <laughs> what if it's the same night as a Cookie Day? What if they asked him about this? Wouldn't that be great? That would be good. What if they What if they brought her on? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate Olives episode. Uh, He'd be like, no. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.